I'm Matt Brown, and you're listening to part two of my conversation with the wonderful and talented photographer, Bill Alcover. So many things stand out when you talk about Bill, his sense of humor, his love of historical facts for U.S. presidents, and curling. Like, you know, we shot, we did a fashion shoot in the middle of the game. And um, he, um, like, between innings. So we had one picture of the model uh, leading off at first. And then we had um, a model getting into a rhubarb with an umpire kicking dirt on him. And all this stuff. Let's take a quick break for our sponsor before diving into part one of my conversation with Bill Alcover. Well, let's separate fact, myth, right? Because there's a lot of that. I mean... I was seeing photos I when I was at the register. I heard all this stuff. So let's talk about, and I got a list of them. First remote ever done in a goal at a Kings game. Fact or fiction? I, I don't know if I was the first one, but yeah, I put a, I put a remote in there. And okay, that, how and what the hell were you oh, thinking? That was really difficult to do. Okay, let's talk. You, you know why it's hard to do? Because, all right, you have your receiver in the camera, right? Um, and you got um, now. Was any of the skills picked up when you were in North Dakota with shooting a lot of hockey? No, no, this was this was something that that I didn't figure out for um, for a while. Um, so what the hell made you think like I'm going to pull the trigger on this one? Well, here's what happens. Okay, so if you have um, your receiver on the camera, right, and then you have your sender, the flash will go off and stop before the shutter is open. Right. So you have to do is you have to have, I can't remember, you have to have the the trigger into the strobe on the camera, which triggers the receiver for the flash, and then, so you have to do like three of them right. in there. You're creating a delay for the shutter right. to be open just right. enough for the flash to go off in right. between. Right. And this is pre- Pocket Wizard. No, no, it was Pocket Wizard. What, uh, not, what were no, they called? It wasn't. What were they called? Um, Pocket Wizard was 90, 95, 96. This is. Uh, it looked like a garage door yeah, opener. Exactly. In fact, that they, 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 if certain frequencies would set off garage doors. Yes. Yeah. What were those called? I remember Katana and I were shooting something together, and he had the garage door opener, and I had a Pocket Wizard, and he was looking at me like, "What are those?" And I was yeah, looking at him going, okay, "What they are were, you?" They were, they were tan, right? Yeah. 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 Um, so did you say, I'm, I'm going to try this and just go I for must it? Have, I must Ask have, anybody? Yeah, I must have. No, I, I must have. Uh, I must have seen Cluth or someone, you know, SI do it. Uh, yeah. And then you go to the, the. Did you go hard shell surrounding the camera? Or what did you do? Just put I it just, in there? I just put, um, you know, foam around it with white gaffer tape. Right. And just kind of crammed it. Into the, in, I can't remember where I. So you didn't, you didn't run, you didn't run a line down the ice, like Zimmerman used to do. You just let it all be in there, free flowing. Um, you know what? Um, upon further review, I might have had it hardwired. Uh, yeah, uh, no, he wouldn't let me do that. Not, not on a hockey game. Would have been, the, it would have been the two transmitters. And I, 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 I just probably cleared it with the uh, PR person from the Kings. Nowadays, you have to have, it, it, oh. you have to buy a special um, uh, yes. Dujolet. Yeah. So then it. Did you make pictures from it? 
Oh, yeah. I'm sure I got something. People mind blown at the paper? Well, I, I don't think your first one you're going to... I mean, I think the fact that you got one, you know, it's... Yeah, and it's like, uh, oh, that's cool, you know. But um, I've done other remotes, too. None of, you know, before. Right. Um, but that's a big one. For, yeah. It's uh, scary. There's ice. There's players. Yeah, there's yeah. sticks. My there's own, bodies. My, I, believe, I was only hit with a puck once. Um, it only takes once. Yeah, well. <laughs> and then I'm, you don't remember the second and third one. Yeah, but I, but I learned a mistake is that you ask the the, the guys, um, uh, the workers, that they use a different net for the warm-ups that doesn't have your camera in, and then you have a camera uh, yes. in the real goal. So. So then there's only, a, you know, like if there's four goals, whatever, there's only like a four chance and whatever. But if you put it in the net on the warm-up, players will see something and they'll aim at it. Oh, yeah. Think, yeah, and they'll, you know. They'll want to crush it. it. Yeah, 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 because that's what they do. Um, I think I've only been hit once uh, in, um, and, you know, it was a high, high school state championship, and it was, uh, I, but it, it didn't, you know, hit the... Um, filter didn't crack the the lens. So um. okay, all right. Fact fiction: the LAX crash. Let's talk about that. Was it that. lit? Was it lit? And what the hell were you thinking? Uh, the, the, we found out that the plane had crashed, and <laughs> it was n- not on the one of the main runways. Mm-hmm. It was off to the side, and um, uh, so we got there, and there was a bunch of us um, photographers, and they were all like, because you couldn't get a picture because we were behind um, um, a fence. And so there was someone from the FAA said, all right, all you guys, you're going to go out on the runway. And, uh, and, you know, it's not like, like a perp walk. Right. And you have 10 minutes. Shoot the plane. Yeah. And uh, I didn't supposed to say shoot. Anyway, um, uh, yeah, we're on this line, and I realized that, you know, there's, um, it was, like, way too dark. And I can't remember who I gave my flash to. I don't know who. Some was, was it, what, I don't think Reed Saxon was now, doing. I think now I heard you. Mondo. I heard you helped Reed Saxon. He was able to make images from that. Oh, because I was strobing. Yeah. Yes. That's cool. Uh, Did you tell him, like, uh, from what I understand, set your exposure to this and hold on, kid, and you just took pictures and he followed? and That would be, yeah. Because I, 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 nobody else was able to. It was, it was a dark night. Yeah, I think we, I, and I'm just guessing, I think we pop, I popped off the strobe, made like four exposures, but I, you know, popped it off 10 times and popped it off 20 times, you know, not knowing, you know, but I was shooting color negative. So, uh, okay. so I knew I had some, uh, now, but here's the, the more interesting, you know, an interesting part of the story. Uh, there was a freelancer guy that, that, you know, um, an ambulance chaser, you know, guy who um, was always on the scanner. You know, one of those guys, and um, he uh, he was there, and he had um, like uh, some sort of like a like a cop or sheriff kind of jacket that looked like he was real, and he was in the fucking plane. He went in the plane, and he was taking pictures inside the plane, and he saw me, 
and he gave me the roll of film and oh you're with the register and you know and he gave me the film he goes yeah I shot some pictures inside the plane well this will be cool went back and and developed it and it was like uh, like like the, a coroner had shot like it's, you could see like the guy's head getting oh off blood all over the place it's like oh you wish he would have just backed off just a little bit but yeah all these bodies and stuff around I mean it was carnage yeah carnage and he like he was somehow in the plane because the, he whatever had he a, was, the right windbreaker yeah yeah yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, and and huge balls you know and it's like I, I um, yeah and that's I, I forgot about that until right now. But yeah, I was like, that's the only way we're going to get the plane because it was dark. It was far away. I think I had, I think it was um, Norman 200 or probably 400s. 400s. Yeah. And just like, just, just make a bunch of pictures and, you know, and it's color negative. So, you know, there's a latitude. There's latitude on that. You know. All right. The fact or fiction, the remote camera on the umpire's head. Oh yeah, that's that's true. <laughs> um, I'm more proud of the one in, that's inside the base, though. All right, we'll get there. Right, uh, we'll yeah, get there. So that. But was, I mean, come on, this is an official. This uh, is an official, and yeah. you're like, hey, buddy. Yeah, yeah. Well, and that is, I don't know if other. Uh, it's the St. Paul Saints minor league team, and they're owned by Mike Beck and Bill Murray, mm-hmm. and. Uh, and I, we fell in love. Uh, back, you know, we would I would do all this weird stuff, and you know, and and the team was, you know, they they just all sorts of gimmicks. They had, you know, Bill Murray was handing out on uh, on Father's Day uh, coupons from a urologist. It was vasectomy night. <laughs> <laughs> and then he'd just show up sometimes and just, you know, be, you know. Just be built? Yeah. And they they had, a, they had a nun that gave massages in the sands. And, you know, they, they, they just, you know, they would, they would, they would just do all this, you know, goofy stuff. And uh, Mike and I were friends. And he goes, yeah, what the heck? You know, do what, yeah, do that. Now, nowadays, it would be so important. You know, simple with GoPros, right? Oh yeah, that'd be no problem. This was on an FM two, and uh, yeah, and I, did you make the rig for the helmet? Yeah, with the helmet. Yeah, yeah. I think I'm, I probably bought a helmet. Right. Yeah, and then just went to the to the down to the guys in the machine shop, and you know, and just. And what was the when you're telling this to the umpire? What's he saying? What's his expression on his face? Uh, oh, I I knew him. Okay. You know, and so I drove out to his house, um, and uh, you know, we kind of worked on how this was going to be, and um, uh, and um, I got because umpires don't wear helmets. Yeah, for that, for that. Yeah. For a couple of innings, he did until it got too heavy, and uh, so you know what? Uh, didn't get any great photos. I got one, but the film was ripped. Oh. And I was developing it. It's like you know I. I bloated the film too excitedly or something, and there was a tear on the on the film, uh, you know. But um, yeah, n- n- enough that I would I, the helmet cam, you know. But because of that, I got to throw out the first pitch. <laughs> Did you really? Yeah, a couple like like a couple weeks later, um, uh, I'm on the mound, and uh, they said uh, now pitching. The inventor of the helmet cam, Bill Elkover. But when I threw up the first pitch, 
And I went out and I uh, warmed up in the bullpen because you don't want to throw this weak, you know, little pitch. Sometimes they have, they have like people pitch and they're not on the mound. Right. No way. I'm not going to do that. You got on that rubber. And I did some, um, well, before that, I, I did some uh, um, uh, uh, Mark Fidrich stuff. What? The bird, remember yeah. him? And I patted down. <laughs> talked a little bit to the ball. Yeah. <laughs> what I would have done, but, but Bill Murray had done it before. When he threw out the first pitch, he threw it out of the stadium. <laughs> no, but I said, no, I'm going to pitch a pitch, and I'm going to pitch a strike. Which I did. It was probably only like, you know, 50 miles an hour. It's probably more like an EFIS pitch than anything. All right, pound the zone. Yeah, pound the zone. Um, yeah, that was that was fun. You know, they he let me do stuff like you know we shot we did a fashion shoot in the middle of a game, and um, he um, like between innings. So we had one pitcher, the model, uh, leading off at first. And then we had um, a mile getting into a rhubarb with an umpire kicking dirt on him <laughs> and all this stuff. And, and way, uh, You're the first person on this podcast to use the word rhubarb. Yeah. <laughs> it's great. Um, and we had, we, had a, we had a model out in, in left field at sunset, you know. Um, because, you know, and the crowd loved it, right? You sure. Know? And uh, so, yeah, we did this, and it was like a at the end of the night and we I was down in uh, where the grounds crew is and I'm still putting away my stuff and that game's over you know and it's long and I'm like the, I think I thought the only one in the stadium and the groundskeeper said well, you're not packed up yet and I said I still got stuff uh, here's the keys and he goes the, uh, the lights are right here just shut them off and then when you're done and we'll, and we'll get the key from you tomorrow um, and I said, okay. So I'm, and then I hear this noise around the corner, bang, bang. I look around the corner, and there's Bill Murray doing his laundry, and up for him and his kid. And it's like, try not, try to be cool. You know, he looks, he goes, hey, you got any quarters? And I had some in my camera bag and just gave him. And I said, um, the lights are over there. Here's the keys. And, uh, and, uh, thanks for being a great owner. And so, yeah. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, he signed a he signed a print for my dad, um, um, like a sixteen by twenty, and it says, "Hey Ray, I'm going for a beer. You want one, Bill Murray?" <laughs> and that was that was to me every game, every time I went there, every every time I was enjoying a sandwich, you know, because right. it's just it was just he understood, they understood that, you know. They go to professional game, the Minnesota Twins, it's all like regimented, mm -hmm. you know. And all the stuff, you know, on the field was, you know, they they had, like, um, guys whose career, uh, Daryl Strawberry played for them because um, he just wanted to go back and play. Uh, Jack Morris played for them. Right. And they had some, you know, former pros. But they also, you know, had a guy with no legs, and they had... Um, uh, they had the first female pitcher, you know, and it, it was just like, what are they going to have? What's their, what's right. the gimmick? You what's know? the gimmick? And it's full every time, right? So, mm. but now they're an affiliate of the Twins, and I bet you they're not you know, fun anymore. I don't know. All right, fact or fiction? You lit up a minor league baseball oh, game. Oh yeah, and I have to give. Uh, it wasn't me. It was uh, Mondo Gonzalez. Okay. San Bernardino would be the uh, regionals, Western regionals for the Little League World Series. 
and um, and I thought, what the hell? Let's let's light the goddamn place. And so um, there was. Um, Wait a minute. You know, who who says let's light the place? Me, I guess. <laughs> um, where you just had a hunkering to get like 400 ISO and see what it looked like? I guess. Because <laughs> it was a night game and I'd been there year before and it was like kind of dark and, you know, and so you know, back in the day you could do that. You just go to the PR guy and you, and you say, yeah, can I light this? And it's like, oh, sure. okay, fine. You because know? he had no idea what that meant anyway. Right. Um, San Bernardino and it was... Um, Western Regional, so uh, Mondo Gonzalez was, um, he was a lab tech, but he loved light. Actually, he went uh, to, you know, Gregory Heisler. Uh-huh. And uh, who, who we, um, you know, idolized. He just drove out to New York, knocked on Gregory Heisler's door and says, I want to intern for you. Without, you know, anyone, he just showed up. And... Heisler said, you know what? What you just did, I did the same thing to Arnold Newman. So you're hired. Stick around for three or four months. So then Mondo learned all of Gregory Heisler's lighting stuff. And so anytime there's something to be lit, we'd grab Mondo. It's like, hey, let's do this. That sounds good. So um, we didn't like uh, the outfield, just the, the, the infield. Yeah. Okay. And then, uh, how did you get lights up on the poles? How did you yeah, run extension um, and power? And right, we um, are you dragging speedos? Or yeah, nor- yeah, yeah, speedotrons. I'm pretty sure speedotrons. Yeah, the the yeah, it was just like as much um, extension cord as we could find, you know. Um, and uh, got must have got a ladder, and then we must have. Um, and somehow mounted them to the to the poles, and there was like one, two, three, four, like five maybe, and um, just um, we we probably had a Polaroid with us. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, we shot it on chromes, and probably went out and did a pole. I mean, we got there like you know, like like at dawn, you know. <laughs> and um, who's climbing up the poles, Mondo? Both of us. Yeah, you know just. We could we well we needed to get them high enough so that they weren't shooting right into the fans' eyes. But with speedotrons, you know, you know, if you if you don't tell anyone, they're one hundred one one hundred thousandth of a second, you know. Um, and um, you know, it fell off a little bit at second base, but it was pretty well lit, um, and we got good jubo. I mean, how did it look? Was, did, was it stunning? Uh, well, I can picture it in my mind. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was a kid, uh, and they were hugging, and uh, he had his head uh, back. He's smiling, and um, just yeah, a really good Jubo picture. Like, and he was in. He was in good light. He did it. You know, ran it. Um, oh, thank God, he's doing it at the pitcher's mouth. Um, yeah, it turned out. Um, Actually, it'd be it'd be easier to do that again because you wouldn't. I think you could just could you just do it on slaves? I don't know. Yes, you could. Yeah, and then you just with pocket wizards. Yeah, yeah, you wouldn't have to have the giant speedotrons and run the zip line. Yeah, wouldn't need it. Yeah, yeah. I don't. Yeah, I think we I think we had them hardwired, but 
they're you know together, but then just one transmitter, right? For all of them, maybe not. Maybe we had, uh, maybe we had a transmitter in all strobes. I don't know. All right, now you mentioned it: the camera in second base, first base, or first base, right? Because yeah. it was a dive back, right? That's not Neil Lifer's second base cam, but you still did it. Now, I don't know if you remember this. I saw that because it won something. Yeah, it was in POI. POI. I'm at the register at the time. I remember seeing it. I'd asked the, I'd saw the byline, saw that it was Bill. Now, I had seen your name, never had met you, but I had seen your name everywhere. When When I took to go put the lights from the studio to go put them back in the Bren, the Speedos had your names on them. When I was taking the Speedos down out of the forum with Nick Kuhn, they had your name on them. Like, your name was on every Speedo pack, every light, every reflector. It was that register sticker, right? The old font. Bill, right there. Boom. So I end up calling the paper, and they said, oh, he's not working today. He's working this day. And I ended up talking to you, and you walked me through that process. Of what? Setting up, setting up setting lights? Setting up the, no, setting up the camera in first base. Because I saw it, and I wanted to do it, but I could not figure it out safely. Yeah, there's no. There, and it, you popped a little light in it, if I remember. Speeder, speeder trying, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, um, you know, those lights are still in the Bren Center. They are. I'm pulling them down in a couple of weeks because. What are you going to do? Well, I gotta give them to the register. The the riggers have just destroyed them up there. Uh, you know, because they the TV comes in and out. Uh, they do stuff. I went, there, I went there a couple of years ago, and they were still working. I was there last week, and somebody just one. Yeah. You know those packs. Yeah. You've got to really be a jackass to put a dent in a speedo pack, and this thing looked like someone hit it with a sledgehammer. Uh, so I, I'm just guessing it's TV because when those riggers come in and out, they're just beating the crap out of stuff um so base cam um of course this is long before the um go gopro right so it was probably an fm2 maybe okay um so i I bought a base that the same exact same kind Mm -hmm. and then uh in the corner uh I had to get a sheet metal guy to um, to cut out a corner. And then you then I dug a hole in the ground so then the camera could fit, uh, you know, pointing back. And, um, uh, and, um, and I, my, oh, my, my, I probably put it in a plastic bag. But um, I had to go out every inning with a can of dust off to get it off of the lens. Right. So I realized, okay, that, um, you know, when a guy dives back into first, his head is going to go down. So it's got to be, you know, need some fill flash. But I wouldn't trust, uh, you know, um, a flash wizard because there's all that metal and stuff around. So, right. So I just dug a trench from first base out to... From yeah, out to the photo well, and then fired it off from there. And so the yeah, so it was all hardwired, um, and and that was uh, a double header. You know how many times guys dived in back to first? Three times. Oh, you know, 
And I think that Terrence Turbo Frazier, I think that he saw me setting it up before the game. And I and I think I explained to him what this was going to be. I think Terrence Turbo Frazier kind of knew, you know, that this would be a pretty cool photo of me. He was doing you a favor? I think so. Now you got it. I gave him a photo of it, right? Oh, I right. hope so. He like, looks great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, Did you have any fear? Of? Maybe someone getting hurt, diving back, catching it, rolling an ankle, an yeah, umpire but, telling you to go to hell? Yeah, well, yeah. No, it would we ever be able to do Well, maybe, you know, it's like it's come and go. Like, now they have the cameras inside the pylons, right? Right. I think if you're... You know, if you're at NBC, they'll let you do it. Oh, sure. Know. They but, let the guys on the field. Yeah. What the hell? Yeah. I mean, during the huddle, there's uh, sometimes they are yeah. going to the line of scrimmage right. and guys are still making right. their way off the field. Right. Well, and so, yeah, but they're they're paying for it I know. as well. They're but, billions but of dollars. But this would never have happened with any other team than the St. Paul Saints. Yeah, right. You know, um, and, you know, and, and they, you know, they back in the, that day, the twins were still playing in the dome, so the, um, uh, the slogan for the St. Paul Saints was "Wild and Outside." <laughs> yeah, and it and they were full, you know, every game, you know, um, because it was good baseball, right? Right. But but it's just fun, you know, and 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 I think that there was an entertainment factor the twins didn't have. Uh, yeah. Well, uh, any. Team, you know, it's they're like, oh, we gotta, you know, make it all serious and you know, uh, none of that goofy stuff and you know, no guys, you know, throwing the ethos pitch and stuff like that. I think we've, you know, um, it became not fun, right? Yeah, and you know, um, uh, you know what soured me the pro baseball was Albert Bell, the cork bat. And no, hiding it? No. No, what? Joey Bell was a dickhead. I don't know if you ever had to Yeah, smile that and too. And he hated the media. And I remember covering a game in Minneapolis at the Dome, and I'm set up in the photo well, and, and Albert Bell tripped over my, you know, my... My tripod, even though I'm in my territory, and just like railed off this. Yeah, it's like I gotta hate this guy. You know, ruin it for me. And all the media hated him. Right. right. And I remember that he hit a significant home run at, at the Metrodome, like maybe number three hundred. Is that uh, maybe? So a guy caught it in the out, in the outfield, and he said, "Well, what I'm going to do is I'm going to donate this." You know, raise money and donate it to the uh, children's cancer ward at the local hospital. And two sports reporters, uh, t- TV guys, said, we want to win this ball. So they had all their audience, like, you know, give us the money. And so they won. They won, these two um, sports guys. And so they're going to have a big ceremony uh, in uh, on the bridge um, between the between St. Paul and Minneapolis with the, you know, Mississippi River. And the guy goes, okay, well, we won this ball, and we're very uh, happy. And they gave it to this you know, leukemia kid, bald cancer kid. And he looked at it, and he turned, and he threw it in the river. It's like, awesome. <laughs> right? It's like, F you, Albert Bell. That's like, you know, that, that was, uh, but then, yeah, he's, I mean, don't you wish that, you know, pro baseball players, why can't, more of them be like Mike Trout. 
It's know. just rare. We wish they could be. Yeah. He's, you know, he's uh, not only the, you know, he's the MVP for sure. And, and not only because um, uh, he's a good guy. Also, fundamentally, I don't know if you noticed, he's the best fundamental baseball player. And you take a picture of him, every swing looks the same. Right. right? And he does one thing that baseball players, none of them do it anymore. Uh, my coach used to have us watch Ricky Henderson, you mm -hmm. know, video of him. And Ricky Henderson and Trout do one thing that players don't anymore. He's sliding back into first base. He keeps his head up, and he's looking over at the mitt on the first baseman so he can move around. And you go to a baseball game nowadays, they keep their head down. Right. And just, you know, so they don't, well, that's Trout, you know, that's why he's the best, you know. Absolutely. You know? And, and um, yeah, the, um, the, the kid from a couple of years ago, Royce Lewis from down at Jay, Sarah, and he got picked number one in the draft. And that's because he was fundamentally perfect, you know. And he studied, you know, the game. He went down to spring training and sought out um, uh, Rod Carew. Yeah, can you teach me how to bunt? You know, and Carew said, yeah, you can up your average 10 points if you're a good bunter. You right. Know? And I, I don't know. Um, I, I don't know if there's that much. And then maybe in the whole everything, the, the attention to the perfection and the details and that little tiny, you know, thing that Mike Trout pays attention that other people don't, right? Right. That's what makes them. And so the same thing with any job with photography, right, or anything, is that attention to that specific tiny half a spot, you know, half a f-stop detail, you know, and then you just, you know, you have your people who are your heroes and you watch. The first time I watched uh, Walter Eos, is it Eos or Eos? Yes. <laughs> First time I watched him shoot a game at at the form, um, he, he had the strobes going and he had like four cameras, you know, and the recycle time was one second. Every second he was shooting something. He had it. Boom, yeah. boom, and boom. I, and I, was, I was shooting from the other side of the court. I remember just watching him. Oh, wait, I should, I should be shooting a game, right? You know, and uh, I came back. Hey, I got a pretty good picture of Magic Johnson. Then I looked in Sports Illustrated. It's like, we weren't at the same game, I don't, you know. Isn't that the amazing part? Yeah. You were there together. And what did he see? Sort of like when you were watching Beaver. What were you watching? How did you do that? Yeah, yeah. And then so, and so the elite of the elite, no matter what business that you're in, that was, that's what you should do, you know. Study, uh, you know, great photographers like Matt Brown. Um, and I and I mean that not not facetiously. Stop it! No, I mean Walter no. and Beaver. No, no, uh, I didn't mean that not facetiously. But um, if there's a kid from Cal State Fullerton, and he takes, do they ever come up to you? No, no, no. No, and I, and I, I remember when I was in high school. You know, um, the guy, the photographer from the Grand Forks Herald, is here. You know, sit right down next to him for crepe sakes, you know, and say, you know, what do you, you know, show me stuff. And then when I was in college, uh, I see him and, and I kind of sit down at a hockey game, you know, and he's having this conversation as he's shooting pictures and he's like, oh, check him, he's in focus, you know, and he's just telling me all this stuff, you know, while we're shooting, you know, pictures. And, and I, I don't know, I don't see that anymore. Yeah. Again, am I being one of those back-in-the-day no, guys? No, no, it's what it is. Yeah. Tell me this, lowercase. 
Um, <laughs> if you look in that second bucket down there, there's actually the legal paperwork of when I went into to court with it. Um, to have my name le- legally changed to lowercase. Oh, wait. <laughs> you legally had it changed? I was just referring to having it changed in the register how you wanted it lowercase. No, it's my legal you- My legal name is, is lowercase. Uh, the reason, uh, you know, alcohol may have been involved. Um, That's now at least two or three times we've used yeah, that phrase. Yeah, yeah. well... <laughs> Back, I mean, that's it's more now. Now, you people think I'm an alcoholic, but no, uh, while you're out with your buddies, you know, yeah, I bet you silly things happen. I bet you won't do this. I'll take that bet, you know. Um, so, um, back in college, the bylines, our names are all caps, right? And I and I was like throwing this thing, well, well, that's wrong. My name is not spelled in all, all caps. We should have it caps and lowers. And then, no, no, we're just doing that for a style. And I said, no, it's wrong. It's, technically, it's wrong. Bitching back and forth. And um, Why would something like that just get your attention? Well, because um, I'm a communications major. And, <laughs> and, and when I hear stuff like people, uh, you know, mispronounce uh, didn't, and they say didn't, or important, they say important. Now listen, out in nowadays you hear people mispronouncing. Uh, irregardless is now a word. You know, uh, every and it's no, it's not. You know, every every communications or English major that I know, when you hear those little things, it bothers. Just catch you know, it. And I just yeah, I'm, you know, I'm a little bit anal about. This. So anyway, I'm you know I'm making a I'm making a big bitch you know all about this. And um, and they started giving me crap about it. And, um, and I, how long did it go until someone noticed it? Uh, well, and then so one day I you know I have no idea why I did it. I said um, I should do it all in lowercase just to screw with these guys and tell them they're legally obligated. You know, in the newspaper to put my name in lowercase. So. I went over to law school and I said, "Can you give me a, a, a law student, and we do the, the go to court and get it changed?" And then so we looked at the case law, and you can change your name to anything. You can't change it to a number or a symbol legally. Okay. You can't, uh, and of course you can't change it, you know, to a curse word or whatever. Right. But, so we went before the judge, and uh, he he said, "I'm yes, your name legally is is." I got the paperwork, and the law student that helped me uh, ended up being a uh, multi-term state senator uh, from in the Grand Forks district. Wow! Yeah, pretty cool. Um, oh. So then I I presented that the court document to the editor of the school paper, and I said, "See, legally, you're breaking the law unless you spell my name lowercase." Um, I don't know. It was fun. <laughs> but I don't, I don't insist upon it. Okay. Know. When I say this word, what do you think of? Rockport. Rockport? Uh, you must have been talking to Paul Rodriguez. No, I, I did not talk <laughs> to Mr. Rodriguez. Yeah, you did. <laughs> um, Tell me about Rockport. Well, I, 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 um, I wanted a pair of shoes that looked... Um, you know, I think it's I I've always like you should always dress 
nice, you mm -hmm. know, when you're out on assignment. But it should be comfortable as well. And um, I didn't want to go, you know, tennis shoes didn't look right, but I needed to make them a little nicer. And then I saw Rodriguez, you know, with these shoes, and I, and I said, that's the kind of shoe I'm looking for. What, are, what do they feel like? And he said, no, they're great. Um, and uh, so for the rest of my career, I, I had to wear the Rockport shoes. Um, and um, I, I, I think it's important that um, to have that routine. Uh, Albert Einstein and Steve Jobs wore the same thing every day. Every, Albert did that too? Yep, yep. He, and his closet the same way. And you know why he did that? Is because he wouldn't have to clutter his mind with those thoughts. He'd always be able to, you know, be thinking about what he's going to be doing that day if his, if his uh, clothing was the same. Right. And I kind of feel the same way. I used to have, you know, the same costume every day. Um, got the Mike Rockports, got my black, just black, you know, I got my black pants and white shirt and a tie. Um, Let's talk about the tie, the well, shirt. Why? When did that come from? It has to do with nuclear weapons. Back to the farms in North Dakota. Yep. Um, so all the nukes, nuclear weapons are on the border of um, uh, Canada and North Dakota. And there was this, was, there's one place, it's like a pyramid in the middle of nowhere. that like goes up five stories and ten stories down. That was like the, the command center you know, for the launch and, uh, and satellite. And so my dad worked for the phone company. And every couple of months, he'd have to go up to the nuclear site and uh, check on the civilian phones. That's all he did. So he put on his phone company uniform go up there and like the background you end up having to you know stay you know wait for like four hours you know and one day he got the idea he didn't put on the um phone company uniform he got you know shiny black shoes black pants white shirt hard hat clipboard tie you know and uh, you know and he got there and he just whoosh, walked right by and then with a nod oh yeah he had a he put a badge was a badge from the uh, knights of columbus <laughs> and he the knights of columbus yes. got him onto a nuclear facility just, whoosh, walked right through you know they because he knew looked like he knew what where, he was doing going. yeah and uh they let him he goes right in and he's done with his job, you know, for in 28 minutes rather than, you know, four hours. He went across the street and had a, at a Kissinger's bar and had a, a Nixon burger with extra cheese and uh, like hung out. And so that's what he told me. He goes, son, if I can get into a nuclear facility just by wearing a tie, you, you can get anywhere. And, and, it's, and it's true. I always comported myself professionally and so when did you start taking on, I don't want to call it persona, but this, this look? College? Well, Interns? Probably, you know, mostly for college. Yeah, he took, Dad told me about it when he was, uh, when I was a senior okay. in, in high school. And, um, yeah, I mean, I became more, the older I got, the more, you know, astute that I was and um, about that. But, that, but, but it's so, like, after basketball games, right? And you're working, you have to send right after the basketball game. And most guys would jump in their car and do it in their car or go down to the... And I'd always just talk beforehand to the athletic director 
and I'd say, can I set up a corner, uh, a table in the corner and send after the game? So, you know, I'm sitting there working and then, you know, the athletic director, coach leaves, everyone's gone. Uh, janitor sees you, and there's a guy in a tie, he must, you know. He knows what he's doing. You know what he's doing. Then, well, eventually you have, you take on, you know, you, you, they become your friends, the janitor. But yeah, I'd be like the only guy left. Again, you know where the lights are, you know, and it's like, you know, it's just comporting yourself with, you know, um, you know, people shouldn't, you know, differently, but it's like you shouldn't dress like some of the TV schlubs. Right. You know, they'll be, you know, at a funeral, you know, wearing Bermuda shorts and a... You know, Flip-flops. Yeah, and yeah. And slightly best... Because you're, you're, number one, you're representing your, your business, your, your newspaper, but number two, you, you're respecting, you know, people and uh yeah it shouldn't be that way but it is so um yeah i've got a closet full of ties that i can't use now but you know um uh, it's um it's i i think it it's just important to be professional and respect people right everyone that you respect regardless of who they are i mean i would when they had the homeless encampment in in saint in um in Orange County, Santa River, Riverbed, yeah, so, yeah. yeah, and so boss said, uh, "I want you to go out and take some portraits of, of uh, some of the you know the people on the riverbed." I said, "Well, one on one uh, condition, I'm not going to go out and just take the picture of the you know the guy, the schizophrenic guy with the beard and so forth." And I looked, and I found people who were, you know, for one or two stupid things, they wouldn't have been homeless. And right. and I and I said, "I want to take your portrait." Um, can I come back tomorrow and in a couple hours so that you can comb your hair and, you know, put on the same thing that you would do right. for, for any, anyone, you know, and, and found some of these guys with great stories, right? They, um, you were making 30 bucks an hour doing work in high steel and then they were stupid and they got a, they got a, a DUI and then they didn't do the work and then they're for the grace of God. So, so go eat. And right. so no matter who you're photographing, you know, you uh, you need to treat everyone with respect. Don't you know? It's because you don't know what's this person's story. You know, why is he there? And then, um, you know, and then after you find out if the you know the guy's a dickhead, then you know. <laughs> and, now, I, and I have a dickhead meter. Oh, do you have one? Oh, I can tell. Boom! Immediately. Yeah, his haircut. Oh, haircut. Yeah, yeah. The, the rich dickhead haircut. Yes. It's just a comb to the side and all fluffy and stuff. It's like they go into a barber, the rich dickhead barber shop. I'll have a number four, <laughs> you know. You, well, I, you can do that. You, I, you can size up people. Yeah, like, you can. Like, you know, there's a guy at Costco, you know, yesterday he's helped me out. He goes, ah, he said, you played, um, let's see, you tight end? Um and uh, let's see, you got a junior scholar scholarship. You know, how did you know that? Because you still you're that way. You know, you right. can tell. You know, like, you can always tell an athlete. You know, and then like you'll see, you know, you might get in trouble, but you see a woman, and I said, well, you did a four four hundred meter hurdle. Is that what you did? How did you know that? Well, because you've kept that. Right. You know, um, I think I can see the way you move, your legs, the way yeah, you present yourself. Right. Right. You Especially know. track athletes, they always have this constant different movement than someone and, who's like a swimmer and and dancers yep. and, and volleyball players, right? You know, and that's again, you know, the 
enjoy every but cent. But we do that visually with our eyes. Exactly. Because, you know, that uh, enjoy every sandwich is number two, and number one is pay attention. And that's what I, I, I think I've taught my daughters is like, keep, just pay attention to the world around you. You know, don't, you know, just look at, you know. Um, we used to drive around, we did, we would do the pay attention game <laughs> with my kids. We would drive around the same way everywhere they were, and, and they had to, um, you know, if they, if they saw some, something different, and they go, hey, that's new, you know, and like, what are they doing there? Um, and, and the best one is we are in downtown St. Paul at 4th and Cedar, and they're digging up the, uh, the pavement, and, and Kate goes, what are they doing there? Well, I said, it's, the pipes down there are really old, and I'm guessing there's a leak, so they're fixing it, and, you know, and, and it'll be better. And then they closed up the street, put the new pavement on. The next year, they've pulled they've, the same part, of the street and they're they're digging it up and Katie said well what's what's going on there I said uh, last year one of the guys uh, uh, dropped his wallet in there <laughs> and they um, they had to they had to go after it and then like the next week <laughs> we were driving by and Katie goes uh, um, well I guess they found his wallet <laughs> now you photographed popes Olympics and Super Bowls like You've got around a little bit, mm, yeah, right? Yeah. I mean, popes. Not, not many people get a chance of taking a shot at the pope. I can't say shot. Uh, picture at the pope. <laughs> yeah. um, and not that many people have a photo of themselves sitting in the pope's chair. Which the the, the chair? Yeah, it's at the yeah the mass. Yeah. What? <laughs> John Paul II. Yeah. At the one at Dodger Stadium when he went. When no, he this was in this was in Winnipeg. In Winnipeg? Yeah, um, a school, uh, shooting for the school paper, and uh, we went up there and, um, you know, and uh, photographed um, his mass, and then the mass was over, and then all the other media and everyone else, well, they had to hit deadlines, so they all, everyone left, and I, you know, the crowd leaves, and, you know, and I look around, and there's just me and another photographer there, neither of us were on deadlines, so no one around, so we shot some pictures of him sitting in the post chair. <laughs> Was there anything you wish you would have shot in your career? Mm. Like when I mentioned war photographer two hours ago, oh, you were like, "Oh no, no way, well. no way!" But like, why? Was that just a fear factor? You just don't think you had the nerve? Like you really have to yeah, just yeah. be willing to die. I hate to say that, but I mean, you sometimes you're just putting yourself out there. Yeah, yeah, that's. That is a part of it. Um, yeah, you don't want to die. Um, and then there's not all wars, but then there's some situations like, am I doing any good? Right. I, if you're I covering mean, a riot or something, I mean, yeah. But but okay, what if I'm taking pictures in Afghanistan, whatever? Because we need to bring that to light, and maybe something will happen. It's like. Well, no, <laughs> you know. Um, yeah, how much are you really changing public opinion, putting your ass on the line for six months? That becomes uh, the issue. I, yeah. So you think you shot everything you wanted to in your career? There wasn't something you kind of left out? You're like, ah, I wish I would have done a... No, I I, uh, I don't, um, I can't think of anything right off the bat. Um, you know, people have like, 
you know, on their, their bucket list, they want to go to Jamaica and do zip line stuff. But I've had all my buckets full, and, you know, be, beforehand. I've done some pretty cool stuff, you know. Sat in the Pope's chair, went down a luge run at the Olympics, and went down to the ski hill, and, you know, and done some stuff, you know. Um, yeah, I've been in the coolest parts of, you know, and, you know, and, um, but but the but then when I look back at the career, everyone says, "Oh, you traveled here, you did this, you did that. How cool!" Everyone thinks of the travel stuff, you know. Right. But you know, I, in retrospect, I get as much joy out of shooting the, um, you know, um, the the picture from Dana Hills High School, you know, and p- shooting him from the time he was a sophomore and uh, see him getting drafted, and you know, and. Uh, and probably going to be brought up, bought, you know, brought up, and it's like, and he was a cool kid because he was a reincarnation of Mark Fidrich. Really? Yeah, talking to the ball uh, and uh, patting the mound down, and just you know, just this exuberant kid, um, and, and and throwing in the nineties, you know, and it's like, it fell, I fell in love with the kid, right? Wow. You know, when he was a sophomore. And oh, you know, and I asked his coach. I said, is, "Is this kid a reincarnation of Mark Fidrich?" He goes, "Yeah, yeah, he is." And uh, so we got to do a story on him. And the sports editor just said, "Nah." nah, nah. So next year, same kids even kids even greater. He's got like scouts all over the place, uh, you know, and they they're they know he's going to be drafted. And uh, went to the sports editor, and um, nah, not interesting. And, and, Senior year, I got another. I got a reporter interested in it. So now, then we run the story. Right? Oh, oh. And, 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 and he had a great backstory too. Kid was born, uh, high school sweethearts. Uh, dad left, you know, right away. Mom got into drug problems. Uh, uh, he was um, raised by his grandparents. Gra- grandfather was a little league coach, you know, um, and um, the kid. Um, Again, had this 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 quirk. And I asked him when he was a junior. I said, "Have you ever heard of Mark Fidrich?" And I said, "You know, he's an awful lot like you." And um, and so he started studying Mark Fidrich. And by the time he was a senior, he started doing all the Fidrich stuff. Oh wow! Um, and you know, you're not step, supposed to step on the first baseline. He would run and flap his wings like he's flying over. <laughs> and um, that was, you know, uh, did a story on him. You can see the video on my Vimeo page. <laughs> you know, and it was just, um, yeah, it was just, those stories eventually later in your career become more fun. Oh, absolutely. Than, than, than the, you know, uh, and and now you do big events nowadays and you're so constricted. Right? Oh, yes. You know, and uh, you know, the uh, stuff that, taking pictures of the president and stuff, you know, you can't do the kind of stuff, you know. Uh, I couldn't maneuver myself to the, in front of the stage than like I used to be able to f- move from way back. You know how you get to the front of a crowd and get on the front in front of a stage for any event. Number one, when you're going to the crowd, don't say excuse me. You say sorry, sorry, sorry with a Canadian accent. Oh, yeah. Because if, just... you're, if you're saying excuse me, excuse me means get out of my way. If you say sorry. Sorry, people will say, "Oh, that's okay." <laughs> and then, and then when you're covering some big event, you know, people are always up front. Uh-huh. They have like the wristband, so you always carry a wristband of every color with you, 
So you see, oh, the guys up front are wearing the blue, you know, little well, sticker blue thing. bands. You throw you, yours on. You got the, the blue on there, and then and then you just and you go early, and then you make contact with the security guys. You know, they know everything. Well, there's a three levels. There's the local guys, you know, and you'd BS with them. Then you see the guys with the little thing in their ears, a little, and then you sort of like say hi to them. Then there's that third level, and they don't. They don't wear the thing around their ears because it's a cochlear implant, uh, but on their uh, on their uh, lapel, they have a tiny little letter and different every day. So there'll be like a G or a D, and then that's how they identify themselves. And so you make sure before the event to make eye contact with those guys and give them the up nod so they know that you're not a bad guy. Because if you're a bad guy, there's no way. You're making eye contact yeah, with yeah. them. And so, you know, you have a little bit of, you know, that, that just comes from being at a lot of events and paying right. attention. Right. Right. What gave you that inkling in the 90s to be like, I'm leaving the register, I'm going up north, going back? <laughs> Inkle. <laughs> uh, that, that was, uh, that was uh, Peter Weinberger. He had left um, the register. He ended up in St. Paul. And um, normally you follow a girl, you don't follow a, <laughs> a director of photography. Yeah, or... yeah, he talked me into it. Um, and um, I, I, I don't know, it was fun there too. It was too cold though, right? You knew you were going back to parkas and yeah, snow, yeah, but I, I got a lot of opportunities to do stuff as well, right? And uh, well, what, what brought you back? Uh, uh, running out of money. Uh, well, not running out of money, but, you know, eventually. Um, Just more work here. I, I got, no, I got laid off around 2000 in, uh, in uh, St. Paul. I was, I was freelancing for a while, doing a bunch of stuff, weddings, blah, blah, blah. And then it just died up, you know, like a lot of places, you know, sure. there was nothing. So, um, and then I saw that they had an opening for a, a trainee and, uh, uh, Orange County, and so should I starve here in the cold, you know, tundra, or should I starve out there? And so, yeah, so I became the world's oldest intern. So when you put your name on that entry form and sent it in, did Michelle Carden make the connection that there was not another bill? Did she realize that you were? Oh no, I called. I I I called her, and um, I I was at the. At the uh, register, right about the time that she was hired. Yeah, right. And, yeah, way back in the in the um, uh, the community edition, and uh, she, I talked to her, and she goes, "Are you sure?" And she goes, "You know, you're not going to be taking pictures at the uh, Angel Games or right. anything in the major." So I don't care. I just want to go take pictures, and you know, and I got a chance to shoot pictures. So that's what. That's what I do, and I was, you know, not doing it was pretty depressing. Right. Know? So. Um, I think that some people get lost and think like, oh, you want to go to a Laker game, or oh, you want to go to a Dodger game. No, if you're a real photographer, there's no difference between a Dodger game and a Dana Hills baseball game. You just want to go. You yeah. just want to make pictures. Right. And and, and it's and, in your DNA. And, and, and yeah, and later in the career, I I would prefer 
to go to the Day in the Hills game, you know, and prefer because, you know, our, you know, no you, traffic, you're in, you're out, you're right. And access. Well, and, and the kids, you know, you cool, kids are cool, right? Oh, yeah. yeah and, um, and just hanging out with them and the coach, uh, that, that Royce Lewis kid that uh, was drafted first, and uh, he's from uh, Jay Sarah. And so, you know, I, I got to know him and he, he sees me walking in. And he goes over and uh, puts his foot on the top step of the dugout, and he says, "It's a beautiful day for a ball game." And then I would answer, "Let's play two. <laughs> and you know who that who that said that, right? Right. Ernie That's Banks. Ernie Banks, Mr. Cub. So, yeah. So then I, yeah, and then I would talk to these kids, and we would talk about Ricky Henderson, and you know, they were interested in, you know, right. the kid like, you know, some of these kids were like. I know what like Royce knew. Okay, I'm going to be a pro ball player, uh, but I'm going to be a good person too, you know. And uh, and when I slide into first base, I'm keeping my head up because I watch Ricky Henderson and Mike. Yeah, yeah. And um, so yeah, the kid was you know fundamentally a good ball player and a you know and a good person. So he was drafted, and um, who drafted him? Twins. Ah. Number one, and um, so I thought oh, I should get you know an autograph. And it's like ah, well let's do something. And I had a picture, a photo of him, and I sent it to Royce's mom, and I said, "Could you autograph this?" So he, she autographed it, and I sent it to my mom for Mother's Day. So there's a picture of Royce Lewis signed with his mom's uh, um, signature up in the garage. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, it's more fun to you know to do stuff like that. Right? Now, before we started, you showed me the photo where you were taking pictures at a football game, where you discovered something wasn't going right. Right. Yep. What? Like, that's what I think it was 2018. It's yeah, it's October 19th, 2018. And you're on an assignment at, like you've at, done a thousand times. At 6.53 and 41 seconds. And tell uh, me what you're it was, doing. It was a uh, football game, Jay Sarah versus uh, Modern Day. And it's at Jay Sarah. And um, for the game, and I was you know, trying to get some fan photos, and these kids were all... You know, you know, like uh, cheering on, and I'm there and taking pictures of them. And then I'm going to do a Hail Mary, which is, you know, you hold your camera above your head and pray that you get a good photo. And um, and I, uh, my, um, I couldn't lift my arms. You know, I couldn't hold my camera above my head. And it's like, um, what the hell's going on here? Um, and uh, then I noticed that the left arm was not strong enough and what's going on and then it starts twitching I thought I thought oh I must have pinched a nerve like 40 years of carrying 40 pounds you know and so I looked around for a um, a neurologist and found a guy named Clyde Holstein which I gotta go to that guy right Holstein my favorite dairy dairy cow and then Clyde my favorite basketball player Clyde Frazier right so I had to um, so I went to him he's been doing it for 40 years he's an old Navy doctor you know and um, yeah he just did, did some tests in his uh, office and 
He goes, well, I want to let you know that there is a possibility that you have ALS. And I was like, what? So, and I said I, to myself, I guess I better go get a Lou Gehrig card, um, which I have one if you'd like one. Ah, well, I see, I see him up on the wall. There, yeah, there he is. I mean, um, when he says that to you, what, what goes through your mind? Uh, a punch in the gut. You know, it's, you know, and, and all, you know, he's. Did you actually hear him after he said ALS or was it just kind no, of that Charlie it, Brown? Uh, yeah, Charlie Brown teacher. Right. Uh, in the East, way he said, he says that ALS is on the table. So, um, which means, um, you know, I think he was just being brutally honest, right? Right. And he could have said, uh, I think you might have um, uh, multifocal motor neuropathy or, or, or Kennedy's disease or, you know, all this other stuff. But he said, well, you know, I'm going to, you know, cut straight to the chase. Right. And uh, so he goes, this is, but this is, Different. I, I'm not certain, so I'm going to give you a referral to the UC Irvine ALS Neuromuscular Center. He said, "I'm going to." He goes, "But you know, good luck getting in there. It's like world class, and you know they're always full." And I, and so here's their email, and here is their uh, phone number. I, I got to do that. Put on my tie, and I just went to the office. And I said, um, I have a referral from Dr. Holstein um, to, uh, to, to have Namita Goyle, uh, you know, rock star. And, they, and I said, well, and they said, uh, well, here's my Medi Medicare. And then they said, um, and then I said, now I'm going to show you my driver's license now and just let you know, this is the best driver's license you've seen in your life. And I handed it over, and of course, they started laughing, and everyone said, I can't believe this. And they said, you're our new favorite patient. <laughs> and so now you're wondering, probably, what's about the driver's license. Let's dive into that, and then we'll come back okay. to, right, we'll to come Lou. Back. But yes, talk Lou, about the drug. Oh, because that was... Um, and then we're talking about, and this was a, a the period of time where, like, everyone was so afraid of offending someone, right? Mm -hmm. You know, um, you know, you know, if if someone looked like uh, they might be gay or straight or trans or something, it's like, oh, you know, we can't. Or you can't even, you couldn't even say, boy, you look good in that dress today. Exactly. Oh, that's it. Bill's going to HR. Right. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so I said uh, there was a bet, and I and I said, I said, I bet that. I can go in in really, really bad drag makeup, and no one will say anything. Who was the bet with? Uh, guys at a bar. <laughs> <laughs> Again, uh, no, uh, it's like, there it, was probably it's, yes. It's, I, uh, so it's, it's. I'm gonna it's, get this on a T-shirt. There was probably alcohol involved. Okay, so the deal was <laughs> is that there was a bar, you know, the Glockenspiel, and all the photo buddies would meet there, you know. Uh, one night a week. Uh -huh. And it was sort of like a club. Sure. Right? Um, yeah. I never got an invite. Well, didn't you want to go to, do you want to go to St. Paul? <laughs> no. That's where it started. Um, and so, yeah, I went suit and a tie, but then I had uh, my daughters do this horrific makeup on, you know, and, and uh, will they say anything? And I walked in and they now, How old are your children at this point doing makeup? Uh, well, they're in high school. Okay, so they know what they're doing, and they still butchered you up good. Yeah, I helped. You know, okay. And then, yeah. You know, and as far as I could go. And then went into the DMV, 
and they wanted to say something, but they knew they'd get in trouble if right. they did. And so I had this great, you know, wacky-looking um, driver's license, and it, it has done me nothing but good throughout my lifetime. Now, what did they do to your hair? Let's start top uh, to bottom. We got uh, um, barrettes okay. in the hair, and then we got um, really, really, like, lipstick that's kind of, like, smudged and stuff. Right, and then, like you were putting it on while on a yacht. Yes, and then, uh, you know... Um, blue eyeshadow? What do we do around the eyes? Blue eyeshadow. Um, and, uh, eyeliner? Oh, uh, uh, eyeliner, and then rouge, lots oh. of rouge. Accentuated so, the cheekbones, did yes, we? Yes, yes. Um, earrings? No, it didn't. Earrings. Okay. Just stayed with the face makeup. Just the face, on okay. the face, then and the, the rest, hairs. and then the rest is a suit. A blouse? No, no, no. The rest is a suit. The rest is a suit. Okay. The, with the tie. I wasn't sure if it, it morphed from Minneapolis you know, to California. You no, know, it's, um, yeah, and so that was the deal. And then they didn't say anything, and then it has done me nothing but good, you know. I've been, you know, pulled over by cops for whatever, and, you know, and they've said, this is great. You know, they really made my day. Um, so, yeah, and so I... Uh, well, it, it, made a, it made a presence on my wife, because when I say, hey, I was going, I'm going to do a podcast with Bill, and she goes, oh, the guy with the great ID. Oh, mm -hmm. my God. She's only met you once, but she knows you as Bill with the great ID. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, so I go in, you know, I'm, I go into this... World-renowned medical facility. Yeah, and I... And your ID gets you in the door. Right, exactly, and it's happened twice. I also got into Cedar Sinai, the same thing. Um, uh, at a referral, Cedar Sinai, and I just did the same thing. You go and you stand there. You don't email. You don't phone. You just. And what am I going to do with this guy in front of me? You know. And so they have to, you know, pay attention to that. And so I, yeah, I got in there, and um, uh, yeah, then it was like about a year of testing. They didn't know what I had because it was just uh, in the arms. And nothing in the legs or or uh, talking or swallowing or anything like that, and um, and so that was testing for like a year and a half. Um, I thought for a while it might be you know, Kennedy's disease. That's not named after the president, but it's, right. I said Kennedy's disease, and I said, well, I said to my doctor, who's that named after? She goes, you know what? I don't know, but Bill, I have a feeling next time we meet, you'll know who it is. <laughs> So I found the guy, William Kennedy, University of Minnesota, a neurologist. Got a got a disease named after him. He's 81 years old. He's still going into the office, and we just talked up a storm. We, he was a fan of the St. Paul Saints, and uh, it turns out that when I was in St. Paul, we lived four blocks from each other. No uh -huh. way. Yeah, and I said, Dr. Kennedy, when you look out your back window, do you see uh, Shadow Falls Park? He goes, Yeah, right out my back window. I said, I used to go there with my daughters every couple of weeks. And so, like, and then it turns out that I didn't have this disease. Damn it. You know, oh. I wish I... Dr. Now, Kennedy, what's the slight difference? Um, there's all these different way manifests itself, whereas um, just because it was taking so long to present. Okay. You know, um, and, uh, you know, it's just the arms, and it still is just the arms, but now the legs are starting to go. And so it's called also... It's called... Brachial amyotrophic diplasia, um, B A D A L S. It's like badass. <laughs> um, what? So it's like a, it's like. Now what does that start to do to the legs? I don't. It, they just start weakening. Okay. You know? So um, 
Yeah, it's uh, also... Because I know Earl Campbell has something like that with some nerve damage, and he kind of drags the top. He's probably just been hit. Right. And then, well, the most famous football player is uh, Gleason, the guy from the... uh, New Orleans Saints. Yeah, um, he's did like oh, a right. movie on him. Yeah. Yes, yes. Um, so yeah, it's uh, it's also called flail arm syndrome because it's just your arms. And then my favorite, uh, man in the barrel disease, because it's just your middle of your body. Oh. So you're thinking, is it Niagara Falls? Right. Yeah. Or <laughs> down the Mississippi River, bouncing, bouncing. Um, yeah, and and so that what took him so long and then eventually last um, uh, St. Patrick's Day they said yeah it's it's this rare you know it's um, probably one in 200,000 people and then uh, with two to five year life expectancy so um, a, uh, I wish it hadn't happened to me but it's pretty fascinating you know you know studying it and saying you know what you know i know what gene it's presented on it's like c o r f 9 and um and i and ironically that's the same my dad had um disease multiple system atrophy and also on the same gene so is it inherited eh, say is it a male trait Passed along, or well, it's generally not passed along, but it's like well, it's pretty, you know, one in you know both of us have a disease that's one in one hundred thousand or whatever, and um, and uh, and and this he got he got sick because of his exposure to chemicals in when he was in the Marines, um, like hundreds of hundreds of thousands. It's a chemical they used to use to. Um, Degrease planes at, uh-huh. at El Toro, and um, it um, it toxic, carcinogenic, and um, uh, that now it's like the Great Park down there. Right. The, the building is there, the same building uh, where they used to dump it right into the ground, and uh, that and radium, you know, and um, so it was a um, it, you know it was a toxic. EPA site, people know that. People don't know that it's not clean yet. Up until 2022, they still, it's still, the gr- parts of the ground are still contaminated. Um, How long were you able to work? Because, like, this is 18, it happens at a game. Did you work for several more months? Yeah, maybe almost a, a year, but then it was weird stuff like, you know, had trouble getting the, the cap off, the back cap off of a, and then the monopod was getting difficult, so I would have like other people on the sidelines help me. And then it was got to the point where the left, when the right hand started having trouble reaching up. And then at some point, you know, I'm a stubborn guy. And at some point, though, it's it's like eh, I can't, you know, if I if I'm worried about walking up the stairs at a football game, you know, and falling down, then you know I. Um, yeah, I'm not gonna. I'm not. You know, it's time to retire. So. Right. What was the last photo you took? I a uh, guy. Uh, I've been doing a story on this. Uh, the veterans who have were became sick from the uh, this um, 
chemical, and I, my last one was a picture of one of those guys, uh, Major William Monsoon Nimiaga. So we went back to uh, that hang the hangar, um, El Toro. That that the base is just like surrounded by you know gates, and they'll right. they'll come and get you. But we found a back way in there and drove past. Um, and it was really weird this back road there the guy was raising chickens back there for cockfighting <laughs> so we went we saw that and the, the there's a guard there and we said huh we won't tell anyone about your your cockfighting enterprise if you let us go over and take pictures in front of that building so so i so i shot a couple of pictures of him and that was you know, one of my buckets to kick. And so now that's what I'm, my major thing that I need to, to do before I die is to do this story, to bring light to it. And then more so, other than everyone knows it's toxic, but people should try to get VA benefits. And everyone knows, if you know someone in the VA, how tough it is to get benefits. But um, my mom uh, worked really hard on that and she, Finally, took a two, took her two years, and she finally got benefits from my dad. And then dad died about six weeks later because his wife was taken care of, you know. And I have, um, I know, younger guys who, you know, um, they were three tours and medal medal of honor and Purple Heart, you know, and they can't get paid by the VA, so. Um, I guess How do you want to try to continue this story? Till I. Do you want to produce it at this point, or how I, do you? Till I finally get it published. Okay. I'm having a really, for some reason, it's written, and it's a great story. I've had ten journalists look at it. Um, three guys with Pulitzer prizes. And he says it's a moving and important story, but 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 no one will publish it. Who have you approached? Uh, the Orange County Register and the LA Times. Part of me thinks that people don't know anymore that that ground is contaminated, and I think that they're, they're reticent to like, oh shit, if we do this, then we have to like, we open up a big can. Yeah, and then, um, well, maybe you know, there's a housing development, the Great Park, and then the Portola High School, and and maybe they might be concerned. Dot, dot, dot. Right. Right. So, I mean, have you talked to anybody at the Times or the Register? Yeah. And what do they say? Um, thanks, but no thanks? Never heard back, you know. So, I'm continually rewriting the story, you know. Maybe it was too long, you know. Um, I had it done first person, and now I'm doing it third person. And, you know, um, I'll just have to, um, I'm going by uh, uh, Winston Churchill, right? Never give up. Mm -hmm. Never, ever, ever give up. So that's my bucket list. I need to get that done, and then I, I'm okay with dying. That's good. That's good. You gotta. I mean, you gotta. Because yeah, you I gotta have it. You gotta. Why, you gotta get it done. Because I don't know why. You know, there's this uh, Kubler Ross, and people get diseases or whatever. And so, what do you go through? Is it like denial and then bargaining and uh, you know? Anger. There's all these things that you go through. What? Why did I get this disease? And I think it's, I think it's from my dad. I think he's saying, "Hey, sorry, son, but um, this is your purpose now." How was it when you had to tell your kids and your mom and dad? Or your, was your mom your is my mom Mom's, is like, yeah, you know, she already dealt with it through with dad, you know, and um, 
It's I don't a tough know. phone call to make. I, I don't know. I, it's. I, I'm. I don't know exactly how she feels. It's got to be tough. But then again, she has to like be somewhat in denial. My kids are. Um, um, a combination of being sad, but also the same, like sense of humor. Like I'll call Emily. Hi, Emily, and hi, Dad. How's the dying going? You know, <laughs> and uh, you know, I just we. There's no reason, and my, you know, same thing with all of my family, you know, and um, yeah, like my little brother got his um, his uh, COVID shot, and he was complaining. It hurts when I when I raise my arms. Oh, you can raise your arms? How cool, <laughs> you know? And that's how we're. And he pulls his foot then out of his mouth. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, no, 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 no. It's no, that, but I mean, yeah, it's, no, it's not that at all. Sometimes he'll give me shit. About sure, that you know, and that's his how, brothers can. Brothers can. They yeah, can yeah. Oh, yeah, you, no. yeah. Well, all, any, everybody. Yeah. I don't care. I make fun about it with everyone. They know that, you know, that... No, I mean, you got they, me the they, other they, day they, when I called. They, they know I'm a gimp. Yeah. yeah. You know? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Uh, and that's that's a cripple. I'm sorry. I don't want to offend anyone. Um, uh, so, yeah, and Dad comes to me in the dream. My dreams every once in a while. And, and, and um, usually doesn't say anything. But last Friday, he was kind of pissed off at me. And he's driving me to school, and he goes, "You still don't have that English paper done, huh? What's the problem?" And then I said, "Oh, I, 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 I forgot my purple book bag. I, you know, I, I don't know mine." And then he drops me off at the school, and he goes, "Get that English paper done." You know, um, usually he just shows up and does, you know, memories and stuff. But you know, I just like, it's been very frustrating. You know, you know, been working on it for like nine years, right? Been writing it for nine months, and it's like a real fucking good story. But you know, it'll get published. It will. I hope I don't have to write it in third person and uh, and and past tense. No, very past tense, and then I can buy. I can buy the obituary space. Hey, I don't know how much eight hundred words will cost, but <laughs> throw it in. But yeah, I know you. He got. Oh, he's got some disability money left. Yeah, it's yeah. Buy a page in a in a newspaper. So yeah, it'll. You know, like I say, just you know, I'm just I'm not going to give up on it. So, um, but but that's that's what I you know that's. I'm actually I wake up every morning and uh, and knowing I have to do that and um, you know I, I like most people have struggled with depression I'm not depressed you know it's like it's like um, you know um, things that used to be make you depressed you know and throughout your life like you know oh darn it my I need a valve job on my car or whatever you know right. it's like really you know you're concerned that you know you broke your favorite base really you know and it puts things in perspective. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and, and it's, it's um, I can say it's fun, but it's interesting. It's It's yeah. got to be an yeah, interesting I was, ride. I was at my 7-Eleven down the street, and I, I, I get my 12-pack of, of the, the champagne of beers. Uh -huh. you know? And I, when I walk into my 7-Eleven, I nod at one of the guys behind the counter. They go, and they get my, my, my Miller High Life. And they grab it, and they go, and they, you know, they scan it. So I'm going out to my car, and kind of weak, and I see a priest walking by, and he just looks at me, you know, blankly. And on the other side of the parking lot is a guy from the Rolling 20 Crips. And he goes, hey, white boy, need some help? And then the, the gang member comes and picks up the beer and puts it in my car. 
you know, and it's shit like that that's that's like so interesting, you know, people that, you know, what kind of reaction that you get, you know, and I, and my reaction is different too. If I if I see some guy parked in a handicap spot, you know, that that you know, I always oh sir, did you forget to put your handicap placard up, you know, and he goes then yeah. and then I just just start railing on the guy. <laughs> Go to town. Yeah, and I and it's like, uh, oh, am I am I making you angry? And it's like, you know, uh, I'm a dying guy. Why don't you come over here? Let's have a fight. You'll be you'll be a YouTube. uh, You'll you'll go viral. Come on, guy. Come on. And all I want him to do is say I'm sorry. And and people don't. You know, it's like. Uh, uh, Tell me this best photo you've ever taken. Most important photo. I took, I guess it would be my best photo, and they had a um, uh, a flood in uh, the Red River Valley in the North Dakota, and um, it was um, a terrible, terrible flood. And then in the middle of the flood, in down, the, you know, the flood is waist high. In the middle of the flood in Grand Forks, uh, the, the a fire, half the, the town burned down. But they couldn't. The firemen couldn't get at the at the hydrants, and um, and just, how in the hell did that happen? I've seen those photos. How, how did that happen? How do you have a flood that high and then the place starts to burn? Yeah, yeah. And so like uh, I knew the town, and I had on my my uh, chest waders, and I made it to where the um, the the fire the firemen were. You know, he was trying to get at the fire hydrant and open it up but he couldn't and it was uh, like 8 in the morning and uh, beautiful blue sky and he's up to his waist and then he, he looks back and um, and I shot this picture and it's like you know it's like you couldn't ask for better lighting but it's also more important photo and uh, it's like it's like one of those times when you're almost like a deal where your uh, your spirit rise, rises above you and says, "Oh my God, what a great picture!" But this was but this was in uh, film day, back in the film days, and um, and all the power was out. I you know I couldn't transmit it, so we had to me and the reporter had to drive probably a hundred miles and to where the AP guy was set up in his bathroom in this hotel. And, wow! Yeah, and then use the old, you know, transmitter. You know, it's like that. that now you were there in town covering it. Yeah, I was there. We were there. Reporter and I were there. My favorite reporter. We were there for forty days and forty nights. You know, and the the river is three hundred miles long. We started at the beginning and then it went all the way to the end. And, what caused the flood? Uh, too much snow. Just uh, and it, it floods there because again the land is flat, but the soil is really good, and so. Um, and it floods, but never that much. And, um, you know, it was, uh, as far as a piece of, like a news event, that would, that would have been, uh, that would have been it, I guess. It's, um, um, it, it, it was important, you know, and it's like, and maybe one of my most, uh, so I had this, photo and it did get there right it got to the um, they actually had to print it in a different town put it out put it on the airplane print it somewhere else and then go back and um, 
and, and deliver the papers. And they most of the people were staying out on cots at the Air Force Base, right? And they're all, the whole town was evacuated. So I went out there that morning and people were picking up the paper, you know? And that's the first they saw of it, you know, because there's no TV, no radio, nothing. Wow. And then it was quiet. No one making a noise, you know. They just quiet and they're looking at the picture and like it's like then I just, you know, started crying and I took a few shots and had to had to go, you know. So it's like that's what we're supposed to do, right? Right. Um, comfort the afflicted mm-hmm. and af- afflict the comfortable. So um yeah, I still get emotional about that and I'm Jesus, I'm so sorry that these people you know, went through what they went. But going back to what we talked about early, that when the people finally got back into their homes, what's the first thing they picked up? The photos. Photo. Yeah. Now, what photo did you miss you wish you could have a second chance at? Is there one that haunts you? Ref's butt, strobed in fire, bad chemistry. I'm kind of sorry that the film broke on the helmet cam. <laughs> Um, and there's disappointments again, um, similar to that photographing a um, a funeral for a fallen officer, and um, and as I, I very cold, and as I was rewind, rewinding my film, it all shattered into little tiny pieces because I was rewinding it too fast, and you know, and I had a and a great photo on there, and it's like that was kind of a bummer. Wow. So now if you're now remember this kids, if you're shooting when it's 40 degrees below, you have to take you know use your uh, just really slow on your re- wait a second. I guess there were no rewind buttons anymore. So. I have not seen one in a while yeah. on any of the uh, new cameras. Well, we ever shoot a film camera now and then look back on the back of it. It's like I will be shooting film tonight, and no, I, I don't think I'll be looking on the Maybe back. Maybe shoot 4 by 5 stuff? No, I, I got a friend's birthday tonight, and on people's birthdays, I like to shoot film and then give them the roll. Ah, but then you tell them they have to make prints. They have to make prints. Yeah. 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 Here's my gift to you. Yeah. 36 frames. All right, or you can make a print and put those fake hippie borders around it. Like, <laughs> try to do some medium format. <laughs> What uh, what do you have next coming up? Dying. No, other than you're not dying, you're you're moving. I always like the people they they they'll tell me. I said, well, I got you know I'm going to be dead in a year. Oh, don't you say that. <laughs> or that's why I was. No, at, really. I, I was at the dentist's office and the lady was telling me, you know what you need to do? You need to live in the moment. So, and then like and then like a, like a minute later, the dentist comes in to shoot Novocaine. Uh, yeah, you know, I really hate when people say no worries. You know. <laughs> I'm worried about. Oh uh, yeah, well then um, I have to, yeah, I have to uh, move because you're packing I, up. A, a sh- slow, shortly. I'm just taking my time because you know when you when you move, uh, you get a job. Oh, we, can you be there in six weeks? And then it's always like the moving man is coming on Tuesday. So like you, so like you do, uh, um, uh, you know, like you're uh, an all nighter three days in a row. But uh, now what I'm doing is like in a few minutes, my helper guy is coming by and then we're just slowly, you know, maybe only an hour and a half a day, just like, you know, throwing, not, you know, throwing stuff, getting rid of stuff. And, going through things. Yeah. Yeah. And it's taking my time. I got to get it down to um, 
filling up a uh, Kia Soul. My sister is driving, and we're just going to take a, you know, like Steinbeck's Travels with Charlie across the country and have fun. <laughs> Do you got a date you want to leave? People ask me that. Uh, um, uh, that's nice. I don't care. Maybe when it thaws out. Okay, so, yeah. yeah. And I got to find housing back there, too. I'm thinking about maybe a deluxe ice fishing house. Oh. Have you seen those? No, but yeah. tell me, tell yeah. me. Yeah. Yeah. They, uh, you can rent them, a corporate ice fishing house. They hold like 10 people, and they're beautiful. Oh, my. Things. Yeah. So maybe I'll, uh, wait, there's holes in the floor. Shit, maybe that's not, you know. Not safe, but you could fish. Yeah, fish, yeah. Yeah. What do you fish for? Uh, the tranquility. <laughs> my dad and I would, would was, were fishing um, all day long, and we didn't catch any fish. We, but we were just sitting there listening to the Twins game on a, on a transistor radio. And I was all bummed out. We didn't catch any fish. He goes, Bill, do you do you like cleaning fish? I said, no, no. I said, well, do you like eating fish? I hate fish. Well, the twins won today, so this was a successful venture. <laughs> <laughs> Bill, I can't thank you enough. Oh, you can. Not, well, I'm going to. Okay. Because uh, you did answer that phone in 1992 two or three, whenever it was when I called you at St. Paul and you answered and you enlightened me with how to do that bass. Don't remember light. that at all, but, you know. Yeah, well, that might have been alcohol involved. <laughs> yeah, that's a, but, that become, well, and so it's all the same group of guys at a table, you know, on, uh, you know, when we're off, deadline is at 10, you know, and, um, We'd get over there before closing, and you know, and the bartender would already have our, you know, our, our beer on the table, and you know, um, and we didn't, no, we didn't drive drunk. We weren't, no, in, no, you know, point oh eight. So, but it's more. I'm, and I say alcohol. I mean convivialness. Is that a word? You're the major. Yeah, I think so. Conviviality. I don't know. Sounds like a word. You're a special human being. As are you. Your humor is just glowing. It was the best thing I ever found out about you. Why? Well, I, I thank you. Um, yeah, because, eh, you know, um, you know, like I'm, life is a joke, but and death but a punchline. You know who said that? No, me. <laughs> right now, yeah, over. You like that one? Uh, I love you, Bill. Thank you so much. I, 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 I'm actually always had, I, I was a smiling good time when I knew Matt would be there with his great teeth because, uh, because you did what you're supposed to do in your job and you, and, and you liked people. And, uh, I, and I guess in the same way, you know, if I see something, I guess other photographers have said this stuff about, you know, but to me, it's like, yeah, I mean, I've been in the place where I'm nervous about doing this and that. And so it's just, yeah, you know, of course you, you, you help out the, the stranger or whomever and you're honored that someone tracked you down. And, um, yeah, I'm just, yeah, there's just, maybe that's just the way I was raised, you know, and like it's, it's someone that wants your help. Uh, or wants a joke or something. You can give both. Uh, uh, okay. You're a special human being. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. And then um, goodbye.
Thank you for listening. And please click the like button if you enjoy the conversation and subscribe as well. You can find more of our 